0: Hello, this is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. I've had a lot of people who have asked me uh, specifically about orphan care and adoption ministries within their local congregations and how to do it. One of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of people would, would like to have a, a program. Let's just take this. Let's put it in a box with some video resources and, and some step-by-step guides to building an adoption culture or an orphan care ministry within a local congregation. I just don't think that works well uh, when it comes to orphan care ministry, and here's why. I think it doesn't work well because uh, orphan care ministry is going to look different from church to church based upon the particular needs uh, within that church and within that community. And and there's, there's not a lot of overlap. Uh, between the the skill sets that you need, if what you're dealing with is mobilizing a church for foster care, uh, as opposed to mobilizing a church that's uh, received a, a lot of uh, families who are adopting internationally, as opposed to a church that's doing that has a lot of ministry toward uh, women who are in crisis uh, pregnancy situations, those are very different sorts of, of ministries. And, and so it's it's the sort of thing that has to be built organically within a congregation. What I would say is here are some general principles when it comes to to building an adoption culture and an orphan care ministry within your church. The first is that sometimes people are frustrated because they say, we've got a heart for adoption or for orphan care, or for foster care, and the rest of the church doesn't seem to get it. Um, sometimes you'll have... You know maybe one family or a group of three or four families they have a heart for this they they know what james one twenty seven teaches about this, but they say our pastor he just doesn't get it or our our leadership they just don't they just don't get it and what I would counsel you is to make sure that you don't uh try to create an orphan ministry through nagging or hectoring or pressuring i mean you know, my wife and I are homeschooling parents. We homeschool our kids, but we'll often say we're we're homeschooling people, but we're not homeschooling people. And by we mean by that kind of the capital H italicized uh, homeschooling people, because we have known uh, churches where there have been homeschoolers within that church who have a I guess, an outsized view of their niche. And so they really see homeschooling as not just something that's good and productive for their family, but as a kind of moral cause. And so you can have churches divided between homeschoolers and Christian schoolers and classical schoolers and public schoolers in ways that really are 1 Corinthians 1, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Peter, I am of Jesus, uh, that, that is a division of the body. We're homeschoolers because it works best for our family, but we're not on a moral crusade. And when it comes to adoption and orphan care, you're going to find some pastors and leaders who are worried about that phenomenon, that they've got all of these different pressure groups and interest groups within the church that are wanting their particular issues highlighted. And sometimes a pastor, when he hears people coming forward and saying, we we really think you ought to have more of a concern for adoption, foster care, orphan care. He feels like it's a group of people who are coming up and saying, you're not doing enough, and so you need to do more. Come up with a plan. That's, I think, the wrong way to go about this. I think the way to go about this is to recognize, first of all, that this happens organically and it tends to happen really, really slowly and then really quickly. And so as a few families start to adopt or they start to foster, or they start to be involved in orphan care in other ways, then slowly it becomes less of an issue to a lot of people who are watching and it becomes more real and more concrete. So it's not just about orphans as an issue. It's about Chloe and Connor that the rest of the congregation has grown to know. And so then people start asking, okay, well, they're caring for orphans in this way. Is God calling us to care for orphans in some way or other? And so then I think that it starts to move into uh, the role of the teaching ministry of the church. In standing up and simply saying, "Okay," the Bible mandates us throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament to care for widows and orphans in their distress. So, how is God calling you to care for widows and orphans, and and to do that without necessarily providing an answer to that question? Because just as you want to create an orphan ministry culture within your church, you also want to make sure that the the full diversity of the gifts of the body of Christ are included. Sometimes when people hear us talking about orphans, they think that we're simply talking about adoption, and you're going to run aground if you do that because there are going to be a lot of people in most churches, the majority of people within the congregation who are not called and equipped to adopt, and you do not want people who are not called or equipped to adopt adopting. The last thing that we want— are kids who are harmed and are made twice orphans just because people have some sense of guilt that they ought to be doing something uh, when it comes to the orphan crisis in our world. It also is the case, though, if people assume that you're talking about adoption, then they assume that you're only talking to a specific group of people within the congregation. You're only talking to uh, people who could adopt. So that 17-year-old young man in your congregation thinks, well, you're not talking to me because obviously I'm not able to adopt a child. And that 78-year-old widow in your congregation thinks, well, they're not talking to me because I can't adopt a child. No, no, no. Everybody is called to care for widows and orphans, but called to care for them in different ways. So simply standing up and giving possible options for people to pray through can go a long way. So you stand up and say, some of you, maybe God is calling you to adopt. Maybe you have the, the, the love and the perseverance and the, and the resources within your home to adopt a child. Maybe you should just pray about that and, and ask God to, to reveal that to you. Um, maybe some of you, God's called to be involved in the foster care system. Maybe God has called some of you to be involved in a mission trip, ministering to orphans, maybe many of whom uh, can't be adopted at all. But you're there to 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 nurture them, to to hold that child with AIDS, to nurture that child who's addicted to to cocaine, to be present uh, with these orphans or with these widows. In some way or other, maybe God's given you financial resources and has enabled you to be able to to help equip another family to adopt or to foster or to or to participate in in some way. Maybe God has called you to use your your gifts. I mean, I I've, I mention this a lot when I'm talking to churches because it it stands out to me so much. Being in a congregation one time years and years ago, and a man stood up at the pulpit. And you could tell he was a nervous wreck. He didn't want to talk in front of this church. But he just said, God's gifted me with auto mechanical repair. I know how to do that. And God has also called me that I need to be caring for widows and orphans. And so God's put a burden on my heart to care for single moms in our community. And so what I'm going to be doing is the first Saturday of every month... I'm going to be doing basic auto tutorials with our single moms, teaching them how to uh, check uh, fluid levels and how to know when they need to get their oil changed and, and those sorts of basic things and to, and to teach them how to know whether or not someone is taking advantage of them when it comes to expensive uh, or unnecessary sort of auto repair and then doing some basic preventive maintenance on these cars. I mean, that guy is a hero. That, that is somebody who is carrying that James 127 using his particular unique gifts, and I think what happened in that congregation is when they heard from that guy, there were who knows how many people who were sitting out there in the congregation who thought, you know what? God's gifted me in, in this particular way. I could do uh, this to care for single mothers and their kids in our communities. I mean, that's how this works. People start to see God using other people with their gifts and then asking God, what gifts have you given me and how have you enabled me to do that? I think that's key and critical. The other thing is I would encourage a church that's interested in building an adoption culture to make sure that you understand that the ministry doesn't end with the adoption or with the foster care. You have to have an ongoing ministry to families who have adopted or who are in uh, orphan care in whatever way, because this is very difficult. Every orphan and every widow is the result of something that has gone wrong. Someone has died. Someone has left. Something has happened. Maybe there was a, an addiction or a war or uh, any number of things, a famine, any number of things that have happened. And so you're you're dealing with the aftermath of some bad situations. And so you need to be watching within your congregation, how do we provide ongoing care uh, for families who have been involved in orphan care and adoption? And sometimes that means... Uh, Asking questions about how best to minister rather than just doing things. Um, So, for instance, I have a friend who has adopted several uh, special needs, uh, very special needs uh, children. And uh, she said that one of the problems she has within her church is that there are many people who will say, Uh, We want to help you out, and so we're going to babysit your kids for an evening while you and your husband go away to a a bed and breakfast or, or, or something like that. And she said, I don't know what to do because on the one hand, I'm so thankful for the fact that they are willing to help us and to minister to us. But she told me that her situation is it takes a week of preparation to get her kids ready for her being absent for an evening. And then it takes a week afterward to kind of work them back down from that. And she said, really, two weeks of of upending everything is not worth it for us for one night of being away. It's just the cost benefit in their home isn't worth it. And she said, so really, if somebody wanted to minister to us, the way they would do it is by saying, we're going to take your kids for a week. And she said, but I'm not going to say that because I don't presume that people would do that. And uh, she didn't want to be the sort of person who would stand up and say, no, 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 I don't need you to take our kids for a day. I need you to take them for a week or two. She said, I don't want to seem that ungrateful. And so I think the way that could be remedied is if you had people within that congregation who really do want to minister to that family, saying, what if you had your ideal situation of helping you, what would that look like? And then having other people stand up and say, so she doesn't have to stand up and say, this is what I need. But other people standing up and saying, here's what this, our sister in Christ and her husband, this is what they need in their family. And so let's band together and do that. I think that's a good way for a congregation to move forward in caring for families and kids who have been adopted or fostered or or in, in orphan care situations of various stripes. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts.